Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. On this glorious Friday, and I say glorious because the Astros won again. They're getting pretty good at this baseball thing. I mean, they just keep winning. And Olympus uh, Diaz is back. You know, he was out for about a month. And weird. Like, he ran back on a ball at the White Sox, and he just, like, pulled a gr- – I mean, it didn't even look bad. You know, it's funny how sometimes more in football than other sports, but you might just get crushed and nothing happens. And then you can just be running – and you move wrong like the poor defensive lineman for LSU where you just land wrong doing a normal kind of nothing-looking thing, and, and, and you're out for a long period of time. It's just it's nuts. But um, hit a, a big – it was 2-2, two to two, struggling with the A's again, and hit a two-run homer. Caprillion did well, and Lance – pitched well again, but always has that inning or two where he just starts, like, just walks people, just like, well, I'm just, I I think I'll walk two or three this inning. You know, why not? Why not just walk two or three batters this inning? Uh, And and that always seems to happen. But um, he um, pitched well enough, didn't get the win, bullpen, other than that August spell where they really, really struggled, the relief pitchers, they, you know, they, they're continuing to pitch well. And so Astros just keep winning. They got three games left in this series with the A's. They'll be done with the A's for the season. And, you know, hopefully they can win at least two of these next three. And then, you know, Verlander pitches tonight. And then Framber pitches. So, um, I don't know when Cole Irvin pitches. Cole Irvin always seems to be pitching, and the Astros uh, every once in a while hit him hard, but sometimes uh, that doesn't happen. And then Caprillion pitched last night, so hope Astros should have the serious pitching advantage in the matchup. But we'll see if they if they continue to hit. Christian Vasquez broke an 0 for 23 streak. Jules will, will love that. Um. By the way, speaking of Jules, since we love nicknames on this game, on this show, I, I I don't know how many of you have ever watched SpongeBob SquarePants, but Squidward is Jules. I've decided that we, we might have to start calling Jules Squidward. Why? Because Russ was watching that the other day, and Squidward said something, and I said, "Wait a minute, that was Jules." Like. Jules would have said that. He sounds I see he sounds just like Jules. So I think we're gonna have to start calling Jules Squidward. If if you've ever watched it and and you've ever listened to Jules, you would be going, uh, I think I think that's I think that's a good one. So um that happened by accident. Just I was just happened to listen 
and I heard something. And I'm like, I think that's I think that's Jules. But no, uh, Squidward would appreciate uh, Christian Vasquez being 0 for 23. But uh, he got a big RBI double last night that tied the game. And uh, El Pedro hit a couple balls hard, so hopefully that continues to go well. I did get a chance to see not all, but some of the Thursday night game. And no, I did not access Amazon Prime, but Michelle did. So she did it for me. She saw me following it on my phone, and right before half, she said, give me your phone. And so she um, got it on, and I saw, you know, most of the second half on my phone. So it was... First of all, Michelle gets mad when I say that, but she's not listening right now. So it, the Chargers uniforms look really good. Like, she's like, well, why do you say that? Because the Chargers are in her Broncos division. But, I mean, a uniform, it either looks good or it doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you, in my mind, whether you love or, or hate the team. Like, she said, well, the A's uniforms look good. I said, well, they look okay. They look, they look pretty good. I got no issues with the A's uniforms. I think I think they're a, probably upper half of the – in Major League Baseball. I mean, saying someone, to me, saying someone's uniform looks good or not good, like, you know, like, I love the Saints, but when they wear their black leotards, I think it looks terrible. Terrible. But, you know, sometimes they, um, sometimes they play great in them. And so if they're winning the game, I'll, I'm okay if they look awful. Um, some of their uniforms look really good. It just depends on which ones they wear. But anyway, Chargers uniforms look great. But and they played great. I mean, I I think the Chargers look like the better team last night to me. But they didn't win because if you could take away two plays, and again, you could probably do this in a lot of games. But if you take away two plays, the interception that wasn't that was ruled an interception, celebrated as an interception, but then on pawn replay was reversed. If that would have happened and and you take away the old 100-yard interception return for a touchdown, man, is there anything more crippling in a football game than that? Because you're about to score, or so you think. You're inside the five, and the other team picks it off and runs it back 100 yards for a touchdown. I mean, yesterday we were talking with Danny Jones. We used the term gut punch. Well, that is a gut punch. I'm about to score. I'm inside the five, and I throw a pass, and the other team catches it and runs it 100 yards for a touchdown. Oh. I mean, it, you know, it's a 14-point turnaround, potentially. It's um, That's rough. That is rough. And so, uh, and then... I don't know what's going on or what was injured with Justin Herbert, but he sure didn't look good physically at the end of that game. Uh, Brandon Staley said he, he he's going to be fine. He said he's Justin Herbert. Of course he's going to be fine. He's superhuman. He's he's a quarterback. He, co- he comes down from Mount Olympus and he saves the day. He's a quarterback. Of course he's going to be fine. What's wrong with you? You're not a QW? But, um, but no, uh, look, he threw a pass. <laughs> You know, the third down play was um, 
he I, it was looked really awful. He scrambled to the right a little bit, trying to extend the play, and he could have ran and got the first down, but he didn't, and he just kind of threw the ball away, and it looked awful. Looked almost like me throwing a ball if I could throw it. Just he looked awful, and and he just, it's just like how in the world is he gonna move go on? Well, the very next play, he throws an unbelievable pass like thirty yards down the field, drops it in on fourth down. Um, I don't know if it was Palmer. I forget who it was that caught that ball. Maybe Carter. But anyway, right over the defender. The guy was covered. He throws a perfect pass, a strike 30 yards down the field, supposedly without the ability to do anything. I mean, one play before, he had the ability to run two yards and fall down to get the first down, and then he throws this strike 30 yards down. I was like, whoa. Um, It was – um. Impressive and crazy all at the same time. But, no, the, the Chiefs won. Uh, it, it just makes me wonder, a game like last night, where I think the Chiefs outcoached them in the pregame. Chiefs made some pretty good, I would think, adjustments in the second half for sure. But got outcoached in pregame, I would think, from, from kind of following the game and outplayed for most of the game. But, again, you, you – you, if if two or three key plays go your way or you make them go your way and you're a good team, you're going to take advantage of them. And they did. And they took full advantage of those two plays after the interception that wasn't to be. Should have been, but wasn't. Um, they went down and scored a touchdown and then obviously the 100-yard interception or whatever. I'm saying 100 yards, I think. I think it was 100 yards, but whatever, 99, 100, whatever it is, it was, it was, it was right at the goal line, and he returned it for a touchdown, and huge difference in that game. Um, so we'll see. It, you start to wonder, like I said going in, I picked the Chargers. I said when I made the pick, it was probably stupid because the Chargers are the Chargers. They just know how to mess it up. They just do. They just know how to mess it up. But for most of last night's game. The Chiefs' offense looked pretty beatable. Again, after looking like Superman in week one at Arizona, it looked pretty beatable for most of last night. But, you know, to their credit, they took advantage of their opportunities, made some big plays. We'll see what happens as the season goes on. I remind myself and y'all, we're still in the preseason. This is preseason football. And... And, and and what I mean by that is be very careful to make any generalizations or reach any conclusions about how good or bad someone is. You say, well, so-and-so looked terrible. It's preseason. In other words, the wins count. You win the game, it counts. And injuries count. Like if you, if you get an injury – to a key player in week one, two, or three, it's 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 it could be it could mean your whole season. I mean, it, it's obviously very injuries certainly count, and the results certainly count. <clears throat> but what in my mind doesn't really count is the level of play, because what what you see it it's preseason. It the level where a team is going to be in week seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven is not going to be the same as it is right now, good or bad. It's going to go in different directions. It, it, it's preseason football. 
It's what it is. It just counts. We, you can't. I, I, I think you. I think it's just not a good idea. It's, oh, so and so looks great. Well, no, it, it doesn't really matter how they look because that's not who they are. It's preseason football. We'll see where they are four or five weeks from now. That you can make some sort of determination on. Uh, right now, it's preseason football. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, shift gears, talk to McNeese football with Matthew Travis of KPLC next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, RP3 in the game, 1037 Live at 1041 Lake Charles. Today, from noon to one, about an hour after we get off the air here, we'll be at the Cigar Merchant at 1001 Coolidge in the Oil Center. If you drop by and visit, you'll be able to register to spin the wheel for a chance to win tickets at Cajun football games, LSU Tiger football games. So make sure today... From noon to 1, you drop by, visit RP3, the Cigar Merchant in the All Center, located at 1001 Coolidge, and you'll be able to score tickets or try to score tickets to win UL LSU football tickets. All right, we have with us Matthew Travis of KPLC. Talk a little... McNeese football, and I mean, he, you know, he'd be able to give us a little bit of a preview of the Cajun Rice game because McNeese just played Rice. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I hope you are. Well, my Astros have been winning lately, and so I'm feeling good about that. I don't know if they're going to hit in the playoffs, but we'll see. And then the Saints played this huge game on Sunday, and I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm a little, I'm good in one area, and the other one a little muddled. So we'll see how that plays out. Um. The um, Yankees have been doing – look like they got back on the right track. We're, we, we're finally starting to win some baseball games instead of losing 6 of 10, 7 of 10. And my Giants won a football game this weekend, so I'm, I'm a pretty happy fan. That's true. And go G-Men because you played the team I called the Benedict Arnolds this week. And so um, <laughs> I, at home, so you got to win that home opener. You can't get all the hopes up and then dash them in the home yeah. opener. Yeah, and I went to high school in Charlotte, North Carolina, so all my friends are Panthers fans. So I, uh, like you, I would love for us to win this game. That sounds tremendous. So hopefully you you can get that done. All right. Um, first of all, you know I've heard a couple people say this week, and I disagree with it that they feel like Rice is one of the worst teams in the country, and I think that is a a very um, 
I'm not saying they're great, but I don't think they're close to one of the worst teams in the country. What was your estimation or what was your kind of analysis of or assessment of Rice after the McNeese game? Well, if they're one of the worst teams in the country, I'm not sure what that makes McNeese, considering they just beat McNeese 52-10. to 10. But, I mean, Saturday's game was very, very ugly. McNeese couldn't get anything done offensively. They, they had 91 passing yards, and they, from their quarterbacks alone, they had five turnovers, two interceptions, and three fumbles as well. Rice was just eating it up really from everywhere and getting yards at will on the offensive end. And McNeese just flat out looked bad. Deontay McMahon looked good. He had five carries for 101 yards and a touchdown, one of those rushes being a 62-yard touchdown. But that was about it. McNeese, that was the only time McNeese was able to get on the opposite side of the field. The only other time was when they got to the 23 or got down and kicked a field goal. They scored 10 points against, like you said, a team who I have also heard this week, a lot of people talking as one of the worst teams in college football. I think CBS had a, CBS Sports had a um, article and they were one of the bottom 10 teams in college football and it's just, I, I did not expect that game going into Saturday. I certainly didn't expect them to be down 31 to nothing at halftime. But here we are, and now McNeese is going up against another Alcorn State team who is also 2-0, which gives them the chance to, or excuse me, 0-2, which gives them the chance to finally get a win. But Saturday's game was very ugly and I think brought a lot of people a lot of people's expectations in Lake Charles for this football team down quite a bit. You know, Alcorn is a team that played very competitively, lost 31-27 to Stephen F. Austin and then played Tulane and got killed. You know, last year, Alcorn had a winning season, and they South Alabama, they only beat them 28-21, so they competed. And so I, you know, I don't know how easy or not easy of a win that's going to be, but I want to get to – you were pretty. You had a pretty strong opinion last week about the quarterback situation at McNeese. What does that look like a week later? A week later, we talked to uh, Gary Goff yesterday, and he he told us straight up, "This is not Canem's team." Um, last week, the door was kind of left open for Cam Ransom, and he said Cam Ransom will have a package, and he did. He put he threw he attempted nine passes and. A couple of them were sacks, but he also ran the ball 10 times. And this week he said, Ransom might or he might not have a package. And he made it very clear that this is Knox Kadem's team. I think a week later, my view has changed quite a bit because Ransom completed three of those nine passes for 26 yards and an interception. So he he's a better runner than Kadem is. I mean, he had a 38-yard run last week in a 31-yard run the week before, but he took a couple sacks. But, I mean, Kadem was getting – getting neither of them were getting the ball downfield, but Kadem was at least doing a better job. He had more incompletions, but he also – one more incompletion, but he attempted three more passes. So I think Kadem is the better – I wouldn't say of two evils, but I don't – I mean – after that Rice game, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in either of them to really bring this McNeese team to where, honestly, a lot of people thought they were before the season. 
Um, but it's going to be Kadem going forward. All right. So in your mind, obviously this team sounds like you got a new coach. Um, mm-hmm. You got a lot of new names and transfers and all that. So this team seems that needs to have some success. Is having success tomorrow? Now, obviously, it's it's uh, you know at home. There's some excitement there with everything that community and that university and program has been through in the last two to three years. But um, is it is it does it is it about the offensive line establishing the line of scrimmage? Is that what needs to happen to have a little success to build on, or what's the key? Do you think? I think honestly, I think the key is getting. Gary Goff talked yesterday a lot about trust in his quarterbacks, and I think tomorrow the big thing is going to be being able to trust his quarterbacks and being able to trust his quarterback, Max Tatum, to throw for more than 65 yards like he did last week. And I think tomorrow is one of the bigger games McNeese has played in several years. It's their first game in over two years under the lights in Cowboy Stadium, and it's their first home game in the they're 0-2, and they're still looking for the first win in Gary Goff's time here at McNeese. So I think tomorrow is a huge game for them to win, and it's against an Alcorn State team who, like you mentioned, lost 52 to nothing against um, against Tulane last week. So it's a team that certainly is beatable, and McNeese really needs to get a win so they can build some confidence as they enter uh, Southland College our Southland Conference play in two weeks from now. So I, I think next tomorrow is a very important game for them to build some confidence, get some confidence in their quarterback, Knox Kadem, and hopefully bring that into uh, the game against uh, UIW in two weeks. All right. So it can, I, I found over the years, it can be difficult sometimes to really assess how good a defense can play or can be when its offense is turning the ball over and not and not you know on the field a lot and extending drives. So, what do you what do you what do you see as the ceiling for this defense? And, and has it been tough to really evaluate them with the all the offensive issues over the first two games? I, I was, you, I mean, you kind of answered it there. the The defense is hard to. Hard, hard to kind of judge because if you look at it, Rice last week attempted, what is it, 74 plays. We uh, McNeese attempted 51. So they Rice had the opportunity to run 23 more plays than McNeese did. And anytime that happens, your defense is not going to perform well because they're on the field every two seconds. McNeese had a bunch of three and outs, and they hardly ever got to the other side of the field. They they punted the ball on all but seven drives, five of those being turnovers from the offense. So McNeese, the defense was just put in a bad situation, but they weren't all that impressive either. I mean, they didn't have a single uh, single sack, and they had a total of five tackles for loss, and they didn't force any uh, turnovers either. So it wasn't it wasn't a very impressive game from McNeese but like you said they were on the field every two seconds so it's difficult for the defense to kind of establish anything when the offense isn't getting anything going and because of it the defense is on the sideline for 
all but three minutes and then thrown right back into it to try and get another stop. So, I, I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, you're new, he's new, so it's, you're trying to kind of get a sense of, of a new coach. He, Coach Gary Goff, obviously has some success at a lower level. That's why he's here. How, how do you sense his personality is going to fit with what sounds like it could be, you know, there's some growing pains here, obviously. So how is his personality um, going to be for this situation from what you've seen? I mean, this offseason, we, we talked about it last week. He, he did a great job of kind of trying, starting to change the culture and implement his tough attitude, discipline, mentality, and the team seemed to really buy into it. But two weeks later, McNeese is 0-2, and it looks a lot different. So it, it, I think it's still going to go over well, but the question is how does the team – kind of react to not exactly being successful and not having a whole lot of hope is they just lost by 42 points to, like you mentioned earlier, a team who many considered to be the worst team in college, one of the worst teams in college football. So it's, I, I think he's still going to have control of that locker room, but it's a matter of who steps up in that locker room leadership-wise and is able to kind of keep everyone focused on the main thing and keep moving in order to still be competitive the remainder of the season. Again, we're speaking with uh, Matthew Travis, who's a sports director at KPLC, about McNeese going into the game. So, you know, the truth of the matter is that on paper, McNeese was not supposed to beat Montana State. They weren't supposed to beat Rice. They were underdogs in both games. And now they're playing a team that's a little more on their level for right now. And so uh, if things go well tomorrow, what do you, right now on this side of the fence, what do you see as could happen? Like what could be the reason if McNeese wins tomorrow from what you've seen, um, you know, I mean, where they match up well yeah. with them? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean simply put it, the running game if they if they want to win it's going to be the running game that's been the only impressive thing over the past two weeks and unfortunately they haven't exactly been able to build on that because when you're down 31 to nothing at halftime it's a little difficult to run the ball because you're trying to get back into a football game and by constantly running the football and letting the clock roll constantly it's not going to get you back in a football game so um, I think tomorrow, if they establish the running game early, and that that would be what would probably lead to a win because we've been talking about it all day here. The, pat, the quarterback play has not been good. It's not been impressive at all. So I think establishing the run game is going to be the key to success for McNeese tomorrow and being able to stay off the field defensively as much as you can because, I mean, running 23 plays less than your opponent over the course of over the course of a 60-minute football game is not, the, uh, is not the key to success. Absolutely not. So, well, hopefully we'll have something a little more positive to talk about next week and we can monitor the quarterback's defense. And, and you're right, the running game – it is. Uh, it's tough to be patient running the football when you, when when you're down by multiple scores. There's there's no question there. And then, uh, 
we'll see uh, how, how things play out. We appreciate your time very much. Thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. No problem. I appreciate you as well. Thank you. Matthew Travis, I tell you what, he is um, not shy. I am. He um, just kind of tells it like as he sees it. Certainly can certainly appreciate that. But I think the thing, if I was a McNeese fan, I think the thing that I would be telling myself is kind of what I said that, you know, you're not supposed to beat Montana State. I mean, you're rebuilding. And Montana State played for the national championship at your level last year. So you're not supposed to beat them, especially on the road, especially in the first game. Um, and then I, I still think this Rice stuff is, and we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, this Rice, how bad they are, is a little overrated. But but still, they are, you know, a team at a higher level, and and they were supposed to win at home. So I wouldn't – I mean, obviously, this wasn't – well, we played well but lost in the first two games. They played well for, like, the first half of the first game. And so, um, you know, they, they've got a lot of improving to do, no question. But I think Matthew hit on it in that if you can some kind of way get a lead and not be down, you know, three touchdowns before you turn around – then they, you know, maybe they can run the game and, and control the clock and help the defense, and we'll see what happens there. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back. I want to get back on this rice thing a little bit. I think some people are getting a little too carried away with that. We'll discuss that when we get back. Come back on the game after this timeout. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros, the game hotline is open for this segment. If you would like to get in, the number is 706 706-0111. 706-0111. Want to remind you about Astro giveaway five. It is time is running out. Astros raise Saturday, October the 1st. If you are registered for the game rewards club, you could win Four tickets to that game, Saturday, October 1st, Astros versus Rays, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaway, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right. I'm not trying to say that the Rice Owls have a good or an elite um, college football program. 
And I'm not saying they're as good as the Cajuns coaches and players have made them sound. If you listen to them, you know, they, they're great in the secondary. They, they, they're great here. They're great there. And we understand they're not great in all these areas. But, you know, that's just what you say. I get that. But, but I also think this idea that they're this, this putrid football program, I don't, I just, I don't buy that either. You know, last year they were four and eight. They beat UAB. UAB's been pretty good. UAB's won a lot of games in the last two or three years. The Cajuns needed a great punt and a kickoff return a couple years ago to beat UAB on the road. It's not like UAB is this trash program. And they beat UAB. They lost in overtime to North Texas. They lost in overtime to Charlotte. And they beat Louisiana Tech. Again, I'm not saying this is great, but this idea that I've heard some people talk this week, like Rice is just just moribund program with no good players and you can't possibly – it's just not – you can't possibly lose it. Well, no, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. Now, Marshall just beat Notre Dame. Just two short years ago in 2020 – Rice went to Marshall, beat Marshall 20 to nothing. Now, again, I'm not saying Rice is great, but, and you say, well, Marshall wasn't good that year. Well, Marshall was 7-3 and three that year and went to a bowl game. They weren't that bad. And Rice beat them 20 to nothing in West Virginia. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to build them up like like a UL coach or a UL player would do in a press conference situation. I just I I just think that some people are a little off on Rice is not like this, you know. Can remember what you know, I can remember back in the 90s. The Cajuns played this team that had fumbled the ball 85 times or something. Fullerton and 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 they lost, and it, it was just like this is an embarrassing team. I, I just, I, I just think this is not a great team, but I mean, I don't think this is going to be easy. I I think this team's better in Eastern Michigan. I think this team, you know, very possible they're better in Eastern Michigan. They're better in Southeastern. I just, I just, I think some people are getting a little too carried away with exactly how bad Rice is. So we'll see how it plays out. I think the Cajuns are going to have to play well. Now, if the Cajuns don't turn it over like they hardly ever seem to do, and don't get a million penalties, which they kind of did at times last week, then I think they'll win. But I don't think it's going to be easy, and I don't think this is a given by any means. Anyway, so we'll see how, how, how that plays out. Obviously, we'll know a whole lot. I can't even tell you the last time I saw Rice play a football game. Might be in the 80s. <laughs> Might be the last time he can't engage in field. Seriously, how many of us? I mean, some people are huge games, and you stay up and watch, you know, Rice play UTEP or something. I I, I I don't know when was the last time. Maybe I've seen one and I've forgotten. I I couldn't tell you. I'm just looking at box scores and schedules. 
And I'm like, man, are they really? Like, I, I've heard, I'm like, I went and I'm like, are they really that bad? So I went back and looked at their schedule last year and their schedule the year before, and I'm like, I don't know. They compete in a lot of these games. I mean, yeah, did a couple teams, did some teams just blow them out? UTSA blew them out. UTSA's pretty good. Texas blew them out. Yeah, Houston blew them out. Houston's pretty good. I don't know. I just think some people get a little too carried away with that stuff. So I looked it up. The last time that Rice and the Cajuns played was Cajuns at Rice, and we won 18-3 to September 23rd of 1989. Right. They played in like 82 and 83, and then they played again in 88 and 89. I don't know, but I'm guessing that 89, probably the 88, because I, I know I didn't go to the game in 89. I would have covered the game in 88. So I, I saw him. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've seen him play since 88. Yeah, the last time they only have played at Kitchen Field in 88, like you said. So they're right now 3-1 and one against Rice. But they've lost two times before that. We're both at Rice. They only lost once. Of course, from I can still remember being at Cajun Field in, what, 77 or 78, and LSU beat Rice. Pretty sure it was 77 to nothing and seeing the – the sign, the little message on the Cajun field scoreboard said LSU had rice for dinner. And I'm pretty sure they, it, it might have been in 77. They beat them 77 to none or 78, somewhere right in there. But no, and you know, they, th- there have been times when they were really that bad. But I, I don't think they're really that bad right now. So I think some people need to just hold off on that just a little bit. Um. So. We will, in the next segment, talking to Gerald. Gerald's probably seen some film of him, which I have not seen. And so Gerald can give us a little more of an impression. One thing that, that's interesting is they had a veteran starting quarterback who got who suffered an arm injury. I think it was right after a pick six in that 66-14 loss to USC. Um, and then a new quarterback came in. McMahon and and he was the first Rice quarterback in his first start career start last week to throw four touchdowns since 1950, which is a long time ago. But um, so we'll see how how, how they do. Um, they have a wide receiver whose last name is McCaffrey, whose brother is Christian McCaffrey. And whose father is Ed McCaffrey, and he he's I think he had about if I remember correctly ninety seven yards maybe last week against McNeese, so he's had you know he's 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 a pretty good player for them, and as we talked about, they have a running back named Broussard. He's the only player from Louisiana on their team. He went to to Lusher in New Orleans, and so that's that's kind of funny that the Cajuns don't have a Broussard, but Rice does. So one thing you were completely right was 77 when LSU beat Rice 77-0. It was in 77? Yes. Okay. And then I just saw uh, coming from Twitter from Paul Swan says, Marshall offensive line coach Eddie Morrissey submitted his letter of resignation confirmed by Marshall AD Christian Spears. Hmm. I don't know what that's about, obviously. I don't know. You just won. How are you going to? Who that Marshall games could be a little scary, but we got to get some – 
got to get some um, some wins in between now and then before they can worry about Marshall. But no, that that's going to be a critical two game stretch in a couple games. If the Cajuns will be favored, they're favored by what 11, 11 and a half in this game against um, Rice. If they win that game, then they'll be favored against Monroe. And if they win that game, you know. It's going to be a, a really critical two games. I think South Alabama's pretty good, and I think Marshall's pretty good. And so those games are going to be a little tougher than I think some people were thinking when looking at this Cajun schedule back in July and August. So we'll see how that plays out. So, all righty, let's do this. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour of footnotes on this glorious, on one hand, on the other hand, Anxious, anxious, anxious Friday morning on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you, we mentioned the cigar merchant today from noon to one where you can win Cajun tickets or Tiger tickets. Also, you're going to get another opportunity if you can't make that tomorrow. At Acadiana Bar and Grill, located at 327 Iberia Street in Youngsville. The game will be there. Our friend Hannah, five names will be there from noon to one, giving away tickets. Swing by and register with Hannah to spin the prize wheel. And if you... um. If it spins the right, I mean, what are your, what are your, uh, I saw for the birthday party, the prize will, Hannah. So, like, if you spin it, you got a real good chance to win, right? That's the way this works. Oh, yeah. I think in a row when we had many people coming up to the wheel, I believe it was like four or five in a row. We had, like, Astros tickets winner, and then we had uh tickets to a concert then tickets to this like it was like back to back to back this is not like the lottery here like you got a really good chance to win so yeah um so go by tomorrow again from uh noon to one katie bar and grill in youngsville spin the wheel with hannah and you might win cajun tickets or lsu football tickets so take advantage of that opportunity tomorrow uh, I did want to mention there was high school football action last night. We mentioned that yesterday. That there were six games um, in the St. Landry Parish game of the week. Opelousas Catholic beat Port Barry 52 to nothing. Right here, if you he- hopefully you heard the Acadiana uh, Wrecking Rams last night. They beat New Iberia 48 to 14. You heard that game on MeTV FM 97.7 and 13.30 a.m. Um also, Cecilia, as expected, that game was actually a little closer than I thought it was going to be. Beat Washington Marion 42 to 13. Erath with a 30 to 20 win over Catholic of New Iberia. Iota, that game was more lower scoring than I was expecting it to be. Beat Crawley 15 to 8. And so, um, you know, there were. Um, oh, and the other game, I knew I was forgetting one. St. Martinville. Beat Brobridge forty-one to thirteen, and so um, St. Martinville had gotten off to an zero and two start. But again, they had played Cecilia, supposed to be a really good team. Notre Dame always a really good team, and so 
they got on the winning track, St. Martinville going to Brobridge and winning 41-13 last night. So a lot of a lot of games tonight, <coughs> um, including, as we've been mentioning all week, we talked to Coach Corville earlier in the week, Karen Crow hosting Southside. I know there's a certain lady who works in this building who is a mama, and she's be pulling for the Sharks tonight, but it should be an interesting game between Southside and and Karen Crow, and again, you can hear the Karen Crow side of that on Z1059, or the South Side part of that on Mustang 1071 tonight. I think that'll be one of the games of the night, and as I mentioned earlier this week, Vermillion Catholic playing Lauraville should be a really good game as well, so we'll see how high school football week three. Folks, we're going to be smelling mid-season of the high school regular season after this weekend. Wow, that went by quick. The NFL season's not, but the high school season's going by pretty quick. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome. Two footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. If this is a good time to get in and call, could talk high school football, could talk about Major League Baseball. Or big football weekend. LSU, Mississippi State. Hmm. Have you made your choice on that yet? Cajuns against Rice. We were just talking about that a little bit. And the Saints and the Yucks. And I just, again, I I, I really, see, a lot of people say I hate preseason football. When 99% of the people say that, they're talking about the August games that don't count. Well, I hate this level of preseason football. I hate the first two or three games of a season. Because, you one, you have no idea what you're really watching, what any of it means. And and and, and especially, now last week, last year, they, they played some pretty good games early. That week two game was a nightmare, but that was because of COVID. Um, and when they played in a loss in Arnaville last year. But um, normally, they just, it's like, what am I watching? Like, there's no way they're really that bad. I mean, like, they played like they were the worst team in football the first three game quarters. There's no way. They may not be as good as I think they're going to be or should be if they're reasonably healthy, which they never are. Um, But there's no way they're that bad. I mean, they look miserable. In the first three quarters of that game. It's preseason football. I just hate preseason football. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll see. The, the point, the, the real question is going to be, is their preseason game going to last one game? It hardly ever lasts one. So I, I, I fully expect this is going to be a preseason game Sunday. Uh, is, it, is it by week four they're going to act right? Is it week three they're going to play a good game and look like they've been practicing? Looked like they had a good game plan and looked like 
they all like some aren't playing like marbles and some of them are playing football like they're reasonably on the same page who knows i just hate preseason football it just drives me crazy um a lot of that uncertainty this week is about the injury report z28 did not practice again <clears throat> does he does that mean he absolutely won't play Pro- probably i don't know but probably i guess if he would practice today you would think well maybe he's going to play it's not like he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing so i get that um but again like i said earlier in the week if there's ever a game that he that well you say well you lose him how know we're going to win it's probably when they play the yucks because tampa the yucks linebackers are so good they normally take him out the game anyway now, to Luke's point yesterday, and if you didn't hear our conversation with Luke and you're a Saints fan, you might want to go and go to the website, 1037thegame.com, and, and, and look it up or get on Twitter. And, you know, Hannah sends that out afterwards So and, 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 re, and listen to that interview. Um I hope Luke's right about that. He, what, what, what Luke was saying was that in recent years, they haven't had this many good wide receivers. <clears throat> and so they were the linebackers, the elite linebacking core in Tampa was able to focus more on taking Z28 out of the game. Um, and, and look, I hope he's right. I don't know that he's right I don't really think that but boy I hope he's right and that because the problem is again it's still preseason football the 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 communication the um being on the same page the play calling all of that between the receivers and the offensive coordinator and the quarterback it's not gonna be there I I I mean I hope it is by some minor miracle but I don't think I don't think what we what we saw last week and what we're going to see on Sunday is going to be the passing game. Like it's going to be a it's going to be different come midseason. Um, it's still preseason football, and I and I think the passing game is still going to be in preseason mode. It's not going to be what 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 it, what it's going to be later in the year potentially. And then at that point. You got to start making, you know, you, there's punt, counter punch, and all that kind of stuff. It's a different kind of game of chess once we establish this is what this team is. Um, you know, I remember going back to 2017 thinking, man, the Saints are going to be really good this year. Oh, yeah, they're not. They're going to be seven and nine, seven and nine. It's all they have. I mean, they, they, they weren't really a seven win team last year. They were really about an 11-win team. They just had a lot of bad breaks. And in the first two games, they just looked miserable. And in that second game, they played the Patriots at home and got their clocks cleaned. I mean, it was – and I remember driving home that day because I covered that game for whatever reason. And I remember driving home thinking, how could I be so wrong? Like, how in the world – there's no way I'm this wrong on this team. But it was just preseason football. And then two or three weeks later, you know, they were playing great. 
But you had to go through the preseason looking miserable. And, oh, man, I'm just so thankful. They, they looked miserable, played terrible, coached terrible, and, uh, and found a way to win. And so we'll see what happens in, in Sunday's preseason game. But I don't know what to think of all these injuries. It's not just the Saints. You know, the Yugs, Michael Evans, did, Mike Evans didn't practice. Although Mike Evans is kind of like Z28 in this matchup. Normally that's day one takes him out of the game anyway most of the time. Um, Julio Jones didn't practice. Several of the offensive linemen didn't practice. So I, I don't. I don't, neither one of these teams is ready for this very, very important game in the NFC South. So thank you, NASCAR, for putting this game and playing division games during the preseason. Appreciate your idiocy. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Would you say that, Kev? How are you, sir? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. It's, uh, it's Friday. But, uh, Kev, as far as the Cajuns go, man, I, I, as long as we, uh, you know, I, I think I, I've read some stat going back to, you know, this is something that was big in the Napier era. The Cajuns just flat out take care of the football. And when you take care of the football, you're going to be in every single game. Um, I think I read that they were second nationally behind USC in turnover margin at like plus seven. Yes, they, um, they are. They, they haven't turned over the ball in seven games. I, I don't, I don't. They're plus twenty in their last seven games, going back to last season, because yeah, you know they just they have just not. That's why they win. They just haven't turned over the football. Now, if they don't turn over the football, I like their chances, no question. I mean, obviously that's going to come to an end eventually. I mean, um, you know, in the first game, Jacob Bernard fumbled the ball, and fortunately Caleb Carter recovers. Obviously, it was possible that Southeastern could have recovered that fumble, but. Uh, so it's going to happen eventually. But, yeah, if they don't turn over the football, you love their chances. I agree. And I, I got that, that. That Jacob Bernard fumble from my seat um, in the grant, you know, in the chair back, that was hard. I looked like Southeastern did recover. I said, uh-oh, here we go. But um, they're doing something in practice, Kevin. And I don't know what it is, but they that's no accident. They got There's some drill or some secret potion that Napier figured out and left Mike with. That, you know, they, they just take care of it. They make it a priority. Well, uh, you know, security. one big key is not to fumble. So you have to do the uh, – I heard Mike say um, you, no one has a fumbling problem. They have a technique problem. In other words, in other words, if he – when I say he is a run, in, in their opinion, if you, if you do the ball – if you hold the ball correctly and do the proper technique, you're not going to fumble. So – so yeah, well, and, fair enough. But you yeah. know, there's some times when a guy's just going to get a hat on it, or oh yes, and um, you know, nobody's nobody's the last person to walk the earth that was perfect was crucified. So somebody's going to make a mistake. Yes, um, it's going to happen. Um, you know, it, it's it's just really impressive that turnover. You know, and this is something going back to Coach Bustle, Coach Hudspeth. You've heard all three of the, the coaches that that I can remember going back to Coach Bustle say, "Man, turnover margin is key." And I, and like you just insinuated, that is that is probably why they've won no that, that's largely why now the the way my mind thinks is 
What I what I would hope for is that somehow they would turn over the ball in a game where they're up by like four touchdowns. I don't know when that's going to happen. Maybe it'll happen Saturday. Yeah. We'll see. Because yeah, you kind of get that out your system, <laughs> yes. And so you don't make <laughs> the piper too angry, and you uh, yeah, the, pay, the yeah, whole yeah, piper thing. Yeah. I get it. So, no, but, and, you're right. You're right. So, but, that's uh, kind of what I'm thinking. Thing, but yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I thought it was cool, you know, with all the stuff that happened with Coach Hud at the end. History generally tells the story of, you know, after, after cooler heads have cooled off, you know, and the Hudsmith era was really, aside from the Napier area, I mean, we wouldn't, the, the Napier era doesn't go as well as it did without the Hudsmith era. I agree, agree and I, I agree, and I think a lot. I think in a lot of ways, the Hudspur there was actually more exciting because it, that you know, it had been so long since they had any kind of success like that, and the the Napier era has been more business like to me. And the the the, the Hud era was more, you know, just you know, kind of like the Saints were in '87. You know, that first winning season that they had and the first playoffs and all that. It was more, um, you know, kind of old school, just excitement. And this has been more professional and business-like since you know since 19 really but but no i agree it all it all part of the process so i thought that was cool and and then even the bustle there ahead i mean uh kev i know Coach bustle maybe gets a bad rap but man he what, what he walked into was much different than what hud and, and of course napier walked into so no, no question i, I don't no want question. to shortchange him and, and their no no, just, no 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 question to, they didn't yes. get to uh live under the shade tree as, as coach road likes to say it Right. As the other two coaches did, but anyway, Kev, have a good weekend. Thanks. Thank you, thank you for the call. Um, no, all of the all, I agree with all that. Um, you know, the turnovers are going to be crucial, but you got to make plays as well. And the other thing is, when you play defense and you don't turn over the football, unless it's Mamou and John Curtis, like to Darren's point, I mean, you're going to win a lot. You're going to be in just about every game. It's just the way football works. And so um, they're going to get Trey Amos back. That's going to help. I wish the Saints were getting Paulson Adebo back, but he didn't practice yesterday either, so I don't think that's going to happen. Makes a difference having your two starting corners, especially when you have, for your level, above average. Like the Cajuns have two above average talents at, at cornerback. And so if they have both of them, it's going to make a difference. And I think the Saints have two way above average cornerbacks. be nice if they were both on the field. We'll see if that ever happens. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll connect with our friend Gerald Broussard. See what he thinks about this Cajun-Rice matchup on the other side of this timeout on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ooh. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you again today from noon to one at the Cigar Merchant, located 1001 Coolidge in the Oil Center. RP3 will be down there, and you get a chance to swing by, visit with him, as well as register to spin the wheel. If you spin the wheel, you got a great chance to win UL football tickets, LSU football tickets. So if you want to win football tickets to the Cajuns or the Tigers, you need to go by the Cigar Merchant from noon to one today, located 1001 Coolidge in the Oil Center. All right, we have with us Gerald Broussard. How are you, sir? I'm doing good yourself. Oh, you know, just anxious. On one hand, I'm doing great with the Astros. They've been on a little winning streak. I appreciate them doing their part to calm my blood pressure down, and uh, we'll see how the Saints do on Sunday. But, dude, they're, they're on a winning streak, too. I know, but, uh, look, it is it, – it, it, that was I, – I hate preseason football. The, the, these first two or three weeks of the season when we don't know what we're watching is real. I mean, some, there's no way they're that bad. I mean, they look putrid on Sunday, so there's no way they're that bad. But it's just like how how good are they? We don't know. But we'll find out in about three weeks. They look that bad and they look that good. And so there at the end, that was impressive. And and so you got to take it. And as you said, it's, it's preseason. And I think there's a lot of preseason still going on, you know, whether it be NFL or, or, or college. And, uh, you know, they, it's what we want to see. It makes it fun. You don't, you don't enjoy it like a lot of us. Uh, but, you know. That's that's a you issue. <laughs> I, I I get that. All right. I was discussing in the last hour. I've heard a lot of people, or several people anyway, kind of, you know, call Rice one of the worst teams in the country. That kind of stuff over the last week or so, coming off the McNeese win and, and the and the Cajuns playing them uh, tomorrow evening in Houston. But you know, I, obviously they're certainly not one of the better teams in the country, but. I, I think this game's going to be a little more competitive than some think. What, what, what have you seen on film with them? No, they're not bad. Uh, they're going to be better than the first two opponents the Cages have played. They have the ability to move the football on the ground and, and throwing it. A uh, little bit of irony. Their running back's name is Ari Broussard, very similar to my daughter-in-law, Ari Broussard, but uh, spelled a little different. A-R-I, he's a kid from New Orleans, a little bit of a thumper, got some thickness to him. Uh, got a McCaffrey kid is playing receiver, went there as a quarterback, was the guy, the McCaffrey son that went to Nebraska first. And right. he ended up transferring over there as playing receiver. Um, you know, their, their quarterback they're playing with was a backup early in the year due to injury in the USC game. He's played against McNeese. And, look, McNeese helped him. I mean, there were five turnovers in the first half. And so that the, the game got out of hand a little bit. Um, you know, they, they've, they've put it this way. They're, 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 uh, one of, they're better than the first two opponents the Cages have played. But they're not going to be mistaken for, you know, uh, Alabama. No, right. I get that. So, so you know, from what we heard, that Eastern Michigan, part of their strength was in the middle on defense, and they were big, big and physical. And I'm hearing similar things about Rice, that they've got an outstanding defensive lineman, and they're pretty good in that area. Um, do, do you think they're better than Eastern Michigan on defense or no? I think they're comparable. 
I, 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 it's hard to say better based on the caliber of talent that they played. You know, um, it's just because USC was a big stretch, and then McNeese is, you know, it's just okay right now to be honest. Uh, but, but I think you know McNeese will get better. McNeese did not play bad. If McNeese doesn't hurt themselves, then then it would have been a, a much more competitive ball game. Now Rice may have still won, but it would not have been had that kind of separation. And I think the same thing's going to hold true. You know, that Rice does things. They they are going to try and play more physical. They play with a two back scheme. They they run more of of, of a power blocking scheme than than a zone blocking scheme. So they are used to being physical on both sides of the ball because that is more of a physical play to where you're 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 coming off your striking your double teaming and you got a puller that's coming as opposed to zone blocking where you're stepping and kind of waddling your way around things it's just it's a different scheme uh but but i think that they're they're comparable with eastern and look the Eastern of the first half was not the Eastern of the second half as far as the physical part of that front on, on both sides of it. I thought Eastern, they, they looked good moving the football early, and then they, they continued to want to spread things out. I, I, I don't understand. Sometimes it's not pretty just to, to try and big boy people, but, but when you are the bigger, sometimes it's beneficial to you, and, and Eastern just chose not to do that. Uh, I don't know that Rice is capable of doing that. Well, we'll see how how that plays out. But this, in other words, it sounds like, though, it could be a little interesting. I've been a little kind of reserving judgment at how comfortable I am with the run defense for the Cajun. It sounds like this could be a better indication of how good the run defense is going to be from here on out. I think it will be. I also think that it will be uh, with the pass defense because this will be, you know, he's the backup and then he's the starter now, but he started the year as a backup. But, uh, He's going to be the best quarterback we've seen in the first two weeks, also. And and, and you know they, they look the, the receivers, the McCaffrey kids, a good player. They got a couple other good players uh, out there. And, but the Cages are pretty good in the back, you know. But but uh, you know the Cages will need to get a pass rush, and and I think that's going to be a chore and a challenge. Uh, I think that the the offense itself sets itself up. It you know the the head coach came from Stanford, so he's a one back two back guy that's going to want to run the ball and set yourself up with some play action, deep throws. And, and it's not near as spread as what you, what we've seen in the first two weeks. Now they can spread, but it's just, you know, they want to be physical. So I think it's a good challenge as the Cajuns continue to progress in the season. I think the first two, each team has gotten a little better for a first road game. This, this is a good one for you to kind of practice your road time uh, itinerary and stuff like that. Get used to being on the road a little bit and then playing against an opponent that, you know, you're, you're very capable and should be. We, we talked earlier this week and I want to get you as an ex coach, kind of get see if I'm worrying too much about this. And I know you're going to say I, I worry too much about everything, but I don't even know. I don't know what it is, but I, I guarantee you're worrying too much. <laughs> Draylon Washington looked pretty good to me. Um, now um, it can be difficult to judge how a running back looks in the end of a game when the other team's kind of worn down emotionally and physically. I get that, but he looked pretty good to me. And if he continues to progress and you really have four options at running back, to me, that's a lot of decisions to make. How complicated is that? Or am I overcome? Am I? It's not as complicated as I'm thinking. To try to feed four miles at a running back position when you don't touch the ball that much. 
Well, it depends on if you have four greedy people, if and it's all in how you handle the room. Uh, you know, which you know, with, with a, a new running back coach in there, it's going to be a little bit different than it was before. Because we talked often last year about how Coach Jaluk handled the room, but Coach Bajeron's back in there now handling the room and getting those guys to understand it. The other kind of thing that I thought that the Cajuns did really good, and you know, prior to this year, and I, I anticipate it happening when you had when they had somebody that was hot. They tended to feed that hot hand, but that could change from week to week. And it, it wasn't like, well, you were hot last week, and that means that you're going to start and get a majority of the feeds this week. No, it, you had to, to earn that every week, which I thought was neat. And then also, you know, the Cajuns, it was, you know, if, if, if you didn't take care of the football, then chances are you weren't going to get it, which, you know, that has not been an issue either. But I, I do think, you know, you, you – I think they're still trying to find who the true number two is. I know, you know, Chris hasn't gotten a lot of touches, but we all know what Chris is. A uh, Kabote shows flashes, William shows flashes, and all of a sudden we see Draylon at the end, and I thought he looked like a little bit bigger. Um, uh, 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 Bailey, uh, what was his name from last year? Uh, um, Monty Bailey. The guy, Amani. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Amari. Amani. Uh, and so I said, man, it'd be nice to have somebody that, that did those kind of things. But but somebody has got to be able to take that, that big punch. You know, after the body blows that went on throughout the night, he came in and sealed it really well. And and, and you need to be able to do that, too. And, and if it's only in that role, well, that, that's fine. Uh, but I go back to, you know, if somebody gets greedy and then all of a sudden they start causing problems, then now you do have an issue. But that has not been the case, and I would not read into anything into it. And then if it does, then you react to it as it does. But right now it, it, it hasn't. I don't, I don't foresee it. I just – okay, so tell me about this. I get hot hand as a quarterback, but as a running back, isn't – uh, so much – I mean, obviously there are some running backs that are more talented than others. That's obvious. But but as a running back, isn't how many yards you gain so predicated on the defensive call and what the offensive line does, not so much on – not just on your effort? So, like, define hot hand for a running back. So, we I, – I coached some guys, and they used to talk about themselves and then, you know, Coach, man, my biorhythm's off tonight. Okay, well, look, I understand what you mean. It's going to be a chore, you know. And look, I, I'm all. If you believe in biorhythms and yours are off, then I believe you. You know, so I never, I never question biorhythms or, or whatever. You know, oh man, Coach, I just ain't feeling. Okay, good. I, I want to know that, and I want to know if you are feeling it too. You know, and, and some of it. And another thing is against some teams, some plays are a little bit better. You know, where if you can run the ball inside and you're a better inside runner. If, if you're not having success inside, it's going to be more of an outside running game tonight. Well, then you got guys that are better at that. Uh, sometimes some guys are very uh, physical and they're not, they're, not they're, they're they're one tackle guys. They're not going to gang tackle you and stuff like that. So people, the ones who tend to break tackles are better against stuff like that. A lot of it has to do with the defense. A lot of it has to do with what's working. And a lot of it, ha we're all better at some things. If it happens to be tonight where, you know, what you're good at is working, then you tend to have a little more success. You know, if it's a team that's got a heavy load up inside and we're going to have to bounce everything outside, 
well, then your more physical guys probably aren't going to do that as well. And so, you know, it, it becomes a more of an outside run game. Well, then we know who to go to with that. Um, you know, and so those kind of things with a running back. And then the other thing is, Kev, you see it out there. Sometimes a guy will just run through an arm or run through a collision, and they get up and they're kind of – you see their enthusiasm right. their excitement and pumped. And they just they kind of start to feel it. Well, when they feel it, I mean, you know, you've been to a buffet. I see you, and you've been to a buffet. When all of a sudden you taste that first piece of chicken, it's like, oh, this is really good. Yeah, I'm gonna get another piece before I go sit down. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna get another piece, and I'm gonna put one in my pocket in case I, I don't make it to the table. I'll eat one on the way. Yeah, uh, but but you know, if you come up there and you eat that chicken, oh, that that ain't real good. I'm looking over here to the poke chop. I know how you are. I'm just feeding into what you understand. <laughs> Now nah, nah, I get it. Now nah, I get it. Uh, all right. Again, we're speaking with Gerald Broussard. So I I got to tell you, I don't even, I don't, you know, I don't know the technical names of these plays, but I hate the play where you throw the ball to the wide receiver behind the line of scrimmage and you, and, and then you got two guys blocking in front of them and you try to, you try to make that work. I, I, I really kind of hate that play, but with the news now or the development that Lance Lejeune is moved to wide receiver, I think I might like that play a little more if they throw it to him and have two blockers in front of him. How do you think that experiment's going to work? I think as long as the blockers block, the play has a chance to work. What happens when you, you hate that play when they throw it out there and the blockers don't block? And now you got a guy that's catching, getting tackled immediately. It's called a quick screen. And so, anyway, there are several different ways to do it. And when he stays outside, you just call it. And, look, everybody's got a different name for it. But but it's usually tagged with a running play to where if the numbers are good for you outside, and you could have one blocker or two blockers, and just wherever your numbers are, if you like it, throw out there and get it because it's by design. It's easier to get one blocker to block than it is to get five blockers to block and gain three to four yards. That's all you're looking for. But if you get speed in space and or physicalness in space, which, dude, Lance is speed and physical. That's what he I'm saying. Our, it might work with him. He might make it work. Yeah, and so all of a sudden what, what looks – Bad initially, even if the guy don't block, you still got a chance for a good play. Uh, and so, no, I, I'm anxious to see how he does with that. It's it's all part of a play tag, and it's all part of numbers. But he gives – now, you do have an issue, though. If he's going to wear number nine, and so is Neil Johnson going to wear number nine, then they can't be on the field at any same well, time. Well, I've been asking so, that question since the beginning of camp. Like – I asked it again this week. He's got to change his number now. He uh, or Neil? I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't get that. That you know, yeah, I've been asking that, that question since the beginning of camp. I don't get it. Didn't make sense. Didn't make sense when they did it. I can understand. You know, when you have one on either side of the ball, but you can't have two of the same numbers on the same side of the ball. Even even if they're not on the field with the same play. In other words, if if. If Lance plays as long as Neil's on the sideline, are you good? Or because they both potentially could no. play on, it's not good. No, it's not. It's it's not a penalty, but it's not good. Yeah, I got you. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to – Lance is in, Neil, you can't go in. Or let's say special teams, because both of those are prime candidates for being on every special team you got. But they can't because they're wearing the same number. Or you, you run the risk of them being out there – 
and then the God coordinator, he's going to see there, you know, uh, Reverend Truel, who, who spied that a couple of years ago uh, on an opponent, got us a penalty in a crucial part. I remember that, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the, he and look, that was Eric Truel that spied that. That wasn't a coach, and uh, he's he's the team. That was guy. App, I believe. Yes, I think it was against yeah. App. Yeah. Yep, yep, and a uh, big play, big turning point. And so, anyway, yeah, it's just it's something else. You, you and I go round and round about game management uh, with it, and when I say round and round, we just text about it and stuff because of some issues with it, and and that's a, that's just adding to the headache of that that you don't. I mean, why would you even put yourself in that situation? Yeah, just just don't do it. You know, I, but I, they there is that situation, and uh, the, the people have been changing numbers since the season started. Uh, you know. Hunter Sims started out as number 51. He's the long snapper. Now he's wearing number 40. His backup, Carter Milleran, started out as number 40. Now he's number 39, and Sims is wearing 40. And I'm thinking, oh, what are we doing? By the way, you're more a lot – you pay attention to long snappers a whole lot more than I do. Has Hunter made all the snaps? No, they've been really good. They've been both been playing. That's That's what I was wondering. Sims has been doing the short snaps, and Milleron has been doing the punt snaps. And look, our punt snaps are a chore. Our punter does not line up behind the snapper. He's offset. He's closer to being behind what would be a traditional tackle position. And so we are turned at a big angle. And very rarely do we kick from there. I mean, we're moving all around and doing all kind of stuff. The old days where you punt, snap, kick, that that don't happen. I mean, snap, punt, that don't happen no more. There's gimmicks and gadgets in every play now. And so, uh, but they've they've both done really well. You know, and and the holding has been good. So, no, uh, the operation of of the special teams has been nice. I just hope, and look, uh, I just hope the Cajuns can uh, make a field goal tomorrow night and make me feel better. Well, and, and I think that and when we talked about it, I know that, you know, Kenny is still there and Preston Stafford beat Kenny out in the sense to, to get the starting position. Uh, and you and I talked about Kenny had never – Kenny got hurt. So he, he didn't – wasn't able to play because of the injury. But, you know, had not missed any kicks. That was never a worry for me when Kenny was in there. Now, when it was a longer kick and we didn't want him kicking, then, yeah, there was a, a bit of a chore there. But um, – now I'm not near as confident, but I think that, you know, Preston makes three, four, five in a row, and then all of a sudden we'll forget the first one he missed. Absolutely. All right, sir. Appreciate your time as always. Uh, we'll see what happens. Should be should be a fun game. Thank you. As long as you finish your story in time so we don't have to wait too long so we can get home before <laughs> church. I got church. Okay. 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 All right, my friend. Take care. Gerald Broussard. No, it's funny. Like he alluded to it. There's one Broussard in his whole game, and he ain't playing for the Raging Cajuns. Go figure. We'll be back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start and go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints also known as Alvin Kamara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Ooh, I love that song. Welcome back to Footnotes. 
on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Unfortunately, apparently Z28 is missing. Like, what is he missing? A, a muffler, a spark plug? What's he missing? He's got bad ribs. Is it ever going to happen? Are we ever going to be able to say, you know, the Saints are actually pretty healthy this week? Like, can we ever get to that point? Like, the Yucks did it two years ago over the whole season. They were healthy every week, all season. Like, can I just get one? Like, a crumb? <sighs> Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, <clears throat> sir. Hey, so, like, what do you think some of the keys are for, for us to win? Don't you think, like, the offensive line has to do, like, they have to be better than last week, right? Well, absolutely. I think I think they gotta have a quick passing game. Now, um, I don't know where they are in their confidence level with just you know letting Jameis just fling it all over the field real quick. Uh, I don't know where they are in that process. They should be much further along than they are a year ago at this time when they were really babying him. And I got I get all of it, but I, I think I think two I think two things are the key to me. One, you gotta stop the run. They're not gonna be able I know that the Saints have gotten a million sacks on Brady over the last two or three years, but they're not gonna be able to do that if they don't stop the run. Because Bruce Arians is not the coach anymore. So they're going to run the – they're not just going to drop back and throw and where you're going to look at the play count like it was. Remember that game when Tim and like, like they, 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 they never ran the ball. They threw on every play and they just kept sacking them. It's not going to be that bad. You got to stop the run. I'm really worried about the run defense. So they got to stop the run, and I think they got to get rid of the ball quickly and, and, and take little four- and five-yard gains to the receivers and to the tight ends. Uh, they they got to do one of the – I think they got to do the game plan they did two years ago in Tampa where Breeze completed balls to like 14 different receivers and just throw here and throw there and just keep them all balanced, and that neutralizes how good their linebackers are. Yeah, I'm just wondering if they can play in the James' James strength is getting the ball down the field. You know? Yes. It's, I don't know. He, he struggles a little bit with uh, dumping it off pretty much. Um, <clears throat> so, and speaking of Jameis – like, I know this probably doesn't have anything to do with the game plan, but I feel like, you know, last year that game meant a lot to him, if that makes any sense, and he got stolen and taken away from him. Yes. Don't you feel like this is <laughs> – I know no one's talking about it, but, like, you know, this is a big game for him too. You know what I'm saying? No, it is. I, I think he's a little past that. I hope he is. I, I hope it's just a, it's just a football game and, and he can just kind of play. Um, but, yeah, it's very possible you're correct. Anyways, I don't know. Did you watch some of the game uh, last night? I did, and uh, I thought the Chargers outplayed him most of the game, but the interception that was, you know, got overturned, killed him, and obviously a 100-yard so kick. Do you think that was an interception or not? And I, I get why they ruled. Uh, you know, I I think it's an interception, but uh, but according to the letter of the law, it probably wasn't. So I get why they. I I don't like to psychoanalyze catches like they do. But no, I I I think it was. Uh, I was not upset. I mean, I was upset because I wasn't pulling for the Chiefs. But but I wasn't. I, I wasn't like, oh, that's an awful call. No, I, I I'm good with it. Yeah. Um. I just want to say, if like. Uh, instead of Jameis Winston threw some of the passes that Patrick Mahomes threw last night, the man they'd be all over that dude. Um, so like 
this whole Justin Herbert thing, dude, it, it blew my mind, right? The whole, like, him throwing the ball away when he could have walked in for a first down and walked out of bounds pretty much. And then he comes back. I'm like, man, they need to pull this guy. And threw an unbelievable And pass. the very next play, he just. I don't even know how that's possible. How can you be so out of it that you can't run for two yards, get a first down, and fall down when they can't even hit you, but then you can throw that pass? <laughs> I have no idea. I can't even begin to explain like if, if they would have won that game, that's all people we've been talking about. Oh, it, it, that, you know. That, heroic that was just shows. unbelievable, yeah. like. That had been heroic. Shows, At first, then. I was like, "It's gutsy, right, for him to be out there," but then when he couldn't run for a first down, I'm like, "Man, then he pulled this dude," <laughs> and then he throws that pass. Yes, anyway, <laughs> it was a crazy sequence of events. Absolutely. Anyway, and they could have recovered the onside kick. But, it was there, laying on the turf. Oh yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's like no one jumped on it. You know, yes. they were just watching the ball roll around. Crazy. You, you gotta like, you know, jump on that stuff, man. Yeah, but, I don't know. Thanks, Dave. But uh, yeah, thank you. Take care. Let's go back to the game hotline, see what Manny has to say. How are you, sir? Good morning, Kevin. Oh, good morning, sir. I, I'm just so anxious. I, I hate preseason football. <laughs> well, uh, you know, so I had to uh, sneak in under the water this morning. I was a little busy, but I, I wanted to get in. Uh, man, I wanted to say that our boy Gerald was on the road this morning, man. He sounded like, he, he sounded like he's, he's just like his old self, you know, with the – Fried chicken and the, at the buffet and the yep. pork chops and the, and, the, and he, he, he was on the road. But Man's anyway, me this hungry. is the one thing that got me worried. Has me worried, Kevin. As I'm sure you do. Everything I hear every morning, every evening when I put my television on is how we own Tom Brady and we we beat him up and we slap him around and we. Yeah, yada, 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 and everybody over there's hurt. He ain't, he don't have a line, and man, and I, Kevin, I don't like. Oh, I, yo, all. I feel like we're being set up. I mean, really, I, I feel like we're being set up for this big blindsided situation. Yeah, I don't, I don't like. One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. I feel like we're being set. Up. Listen, not that I'm falling for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not gullible enough to fall for all that malarkey. I just can't stand to hear all that. And, and you know, people w- w- are going to believe all that foolishness and think, you know, when, 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 if we get blindsided, what happened? And that's about, I mean, you know, that's just foolishness. All do, that, do, you think, do you think Gus has got the message yet that the season has started? Well, like you said, Kevin, Gus was spending last year. Maybe, maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe he doesn't understand that we, you know, this counts. This not preseason. That it counts. I mean, you maybe, think he knows? Maybe, maybe not. You know, uh, uh, let's hope he gets it because we definitely need to, uh, we need some stuffing, run stuffing going on in the interior. Uh, I'm know, worried about run defense. Not, I, I mean, we don't, if our linebacker has to make Every single tackle. I mean, I understand that the, the premise, you know, uh, I'm a football guy. The defensive linemen are not there to make tackles. They're there to free the linebackers up. But, I mean, every once in a while, let's, let's stuff a lineman into the backfield and, and, and run, let the running back run into the lineman's back. And, you know, let, let's, let, let's not make I – mean, when you're tackling a 240-pound guy like we were doing last week and like – Leonard, you know, going to be tackling Fournette on Sunday. 
He's got to have the steam and doesn't get touched for, for three or four yards before he gets to the linebacker. That's a five or six yard gain, and that's yes. not at all what we're looking for, Kevin. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not feeling great, man. I'm not feeling great at all. So, I'm like anxious, all very all anxious. Right. Thank you, Manny. Yes, definitely. All right, Kevin, y'all have a good one. Take care. All right. Uh, the safest thing. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back, finish out today's show next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you, LSU begins SEC play against Mississippi State. Pre-game 3 o'clock, kickoff set for 5 o'clock. You can hear all of the action. Live right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Also, um, going to have high school football again tonight. Karen Crow Z1059, Southside on Mustang 1071. The Vermeer Parish game of the week on 1063 Radio Lafayette, which should be a good one. Abbeville versus Norfamillion. St. Thomas Moore hosting Brother Martin. You can hear that right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. And the Bar Buccaneers on the game, 1041 like Charles. All right, so I'm hearing I got to do picks. Is that what I got to do? Yes. Me and Ray have. You're going to or making the boys do it this afternoon. I, I, I've said I've said many times that me picking the Saints is useless because there's just way too much involved in it. But I'll, I'll go ahead and try to stay optimistic just because uh, I want to be, but I I, uh, I am really worried. I don't like anything about preseason football, but – I'll say the Saints are win. I don't. I don't know how it's going to happen or why it's going to happen, but I just hope that it's going to happen. So I'm going to pick that one from my heart because my head says it's preseason football, and I have no idea what to expect. So um, I think that I think the Cajuns are going to win, but not cover. That's my that's my prediction on the Cajuns. They're going to win the game, but not cover the eleven or eleven and a half points. Who else I got to pick? McNeese versus Alcorn State. I'm going to say McNeese is going to win a close one, and they they got to they've been they're two down. There's going to be too much momentum. I, I think they're going to win a close game by just a you know a field goal or a touchdown somewhere in that neighborhood. And then LSU versus the Bulldogs. I think Mississippi State's just better. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Mississippi State to to win a close game. Now, see, so I, I think we're going to have a lot game. of good. I think we're going to have a lot of good close games this week. I oh, think yeah. it's a big week of football. I have like for me, I have like 23, 24. For LSU, I think LSU might pull it out. I have 28-17 for the Saints, 27-20 for the Cajuns, and then 24-14 for McNeese. I hope the Saints win two to nothing on a cheat. But (laughs) I'm all for that this week. I just want to win. All right, appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice weekend.